minutes into the game, you're kind of thinking, oh, I'm going to have to change this at halftime. It's never the game plan, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> the golden rule okay. of management. Yes. Yeah, it's a good one. intervention, isn't it? Great from the manager. intervention yeah. as a manager. Great intervention. Wasn't tactical. Didn't need to pick out the group. Maybe thinking, right, if I nail one player, the other players can hear that and see that. So therefore, they're probably going to think, Absolutely. I don't want to be the one getting nailed after the game. Surely there must be times where you feel like I just want to get absolutely riled into this lot. Yeah, most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> There's no, that is the time. Yeah. No, I think, but I think you, but again, that's a different intervention. Isn't it? In my opinion, as a coach and a manager, they're actually the easiest interventions because they're obvious. Yeah, yeah. You know, if you're a good manager or a good coach, you should be able to see most of those things and be able to change one or two positions or make one or two substitutions and affect that quite simply or welcome football fans to breaking lines the podcast that takes you behind the scenes of the beautiful game like never before i'm gary rowett former player and manager joined by the insightful dave carolan a man with his finger on the pulse of football's beating heart together dave and i bring you unrivaled insight context and a few stories from the trenches Join us as we dissect the game, break down the plays and explore the intricate dance between managers, players, fans and the beautiful game itself. This is Breaking Lines, where the game is more than just a match. Gary, I want you to picture the scene. Half time. You're going down the tunnel into the dressing room. It's been a poor half. What are you thinking about when you're heading down the tunnel? Ahead of the players, you know they're traipsing off after you. And you've got to strategize what you're going to say in the next few minutes. Why did you have to start on poor half? <laughs> well, I thought I'd go for the abstract one we haven't really done before. <laughs> wow. God, there's so many things that go through your head, isn't there? I mean, I mean, one, you, well, it's, I think it starts before halftime in that sort of 15, or maybe even before the game. I think before the game, you have scenarios around your current form, your current situation, your current position at that time of the season with your team. And, you know, you could be on a great run, you could be on a poor run. Let, let's just take one of those scenarios, for example. Let's so, go positive. Let's go on a good run then. <laughs> let's go on a good run. So you're on a good run. So you know you've got a lot of credit in the bank with the players, with the feeling around the place. And you know that's going to come to an end at some point, maybe. So you're going in at halftime, you've performed poorly the first half, and you've maybe thought about that in that run. So in that run, you're thinking, what happens when we perform poorly? We had a great run of games. We've been really playing well. There's a real flow to the team, and we've been getting loads of results. So how do you manage that? So you might have already started to think, and it doesn't sound, you don't want that to be a self-fulfilling prophecy, but you, you'd never portray that with the players or the staff. But at the same time, internally, you'd have thought about, okay, what, how might I play that situation if, if it comes up? So of course, then you get the first half performance. So I would say probably 10 to 15 minutes before halftime, you're starting to think about halftime. Okay, what do we need to do? Do we need to change something tactically? Do we need to say very little? Do we need to say a lot? Do I need to pick individuals? Do I need to talk just about the team? You know, is it just about what we need to do on the ball? 
Have we used the ball poorly? Have we been really poor off the ball? So, so I think you start to shape that vision of what halftime looks like. And I think that's how, it, that's how it starts. That's as early as that thought process starts, I would say. So you're saying, obviously, lots of things are spinning around in your head about, okay, is it going to be tactically? Is it going to be personnel that are going to have to be reflected upon? What about like the game plan? At what stage do you think it's it's not necessarily the the players are playing poorly? Maybe it's the it's your own strategy that you came up with before the game for how we were going to play or the team was going to play versus what the opposition have done to you. Have they changed formation or something like that? Are you also balancing those? And and how early are you bal- are you starting to question that? Is it like? 10 minutes into the game, you're kind of thinking, oh, I'm going to have to change this at halftime. It's never the game plan, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Golden rule okay. of management. Yes. No, of, course, of course it is. Yeah, look, uh, yeah, I mean, you start the game straight away wondering whether the game plan's going to work. You know, you can see very early in a game. So, so yeah, you're actually, you're spot on maybe 10 minutes into the half. You're already thinking, I might have to change this at half time. We've done it before where we've changed it before halftime, you know, changed yeah. formation after 25 minutes. You know, it might have been 2-0 down and you can just see it's clearly not working. For whatever reason, the opposition might have changed. The opposition might have turned up and, and played a new formation. The opposition might have done something to negate your tactics and it might have worked because there's two teams and, there's, and yeah. you know, both managers are trying to get the upper hand tactically. So, or simply your team just might well not have performed very well. You know, we've, we've seen that lots of times where... You're on a good run, and then you get an uncharacteristic half where they just haven't performed and it just hasn't gone well. So I think very early on in the half, you're starting to think about what does halftime look like? And then there's so many different ways of doing it. I mean, most of the time, I'll probably chat a little bit before halftime and sort of start to gauge a little bit of opinion off, off the key members of staff. You know, so I'll ask yourself, I'll ask one of the coaches. I might ask one of the analysts or, or yeah. whoever's in charge of that, of, the, of their thoughts and see if they sort of start to tally up a little bit. Now, often the challenge of asking people is sometimes people might have a different opinion. Might have it, and, you, and very, very often as a manager, you just, you just get a feeling. You just get a feeling. So, you know, I don't know. We're getting attacked down the right-hand side all the time, and the team just seems to be getting in. They're overloading that side. Yep. They seem to be getting in. They're creating a lot of chances. There's just something that you think, rather than what do we need to score more goals, it might be right. I need to change something down that side to get a grip of the game to then give us even a chance to, to start to attack a little bit better or whatever that is to yep. change the game. All those things go through your head. You chat about it to the staff. I'd often then go into the dressing room, walk straight through the dressing room, depends on where it is, but often you're walking straight through the dressing room into the manager's office or you're walking straight into the manager's office and the lads go into a dressing room. I think usually one or two members of staff, you want one or two members of staff in the dressing room to to just get a feel and a little taste and a flavour of what the players are saying and thinking. And then in the manager's office, you're then trying to strategise. And sometimes you'd ask opinions, sometimes you'd work it out between you. Sometimes you just simply stay quiet and you just make a decision yourself and you wouldn't say a lot. I think there's so many, there's so many ways in which you can, do, you can intervene. Of course, that halftime scenario is just about right. How can we change either something small, something big, lots of things, not many things, but in other words, 
we've got to change this first half. We've got to change the flow of the game. We've got to change the scoreline. Sometimes you can be one nil up and you still need to change something because you've got away with it. You might have had one attack scored. The players come in quite happy, yet you're unhappy. And then there's also that psychological part of halftime. You know, that is an opportunity to change something psychological. I've been in there with managers, as a player, I've been in there with managers where you could see. So when I first went on loan to Blackpool, so Sam Allardyce was the manager. I went on loan to Blackpool. I played about four games from Everton, played about four games. And this one game I was playing centre midfield, I think against Brighton away when they're at the old, um, I think it might have been a bit the old um, Goldstone ground. Wow, I've only been to the with Dean. With, I mean, yeah, no, no, it was before that. Before then. With Dean was the athletics. Yeah, that's stadium, right. The Goldstone ground was literally the old ground with one side of a pitch at about five steps and right. nothing behind. You know, it was one of those sort of... Not too good for stadium step running, that no, one. No, it wasn't the stadium step running. Please you'd see been previous a, episode, listeners. You'd have been well <laughs> happy being an apprentice at the Goldstone ground. I can't remember what the main... So it's half time. Like. That's half time. And I remember coming in thinking, I've done okay there. It wasn't the best half, you know, but I think we might have been one nil down or whatever. And Sam basically walked in the dressing room and just hammered me. No one else, nothing else, really. No real other tactical instructions hammered me. I'm talking like, is that the best you've got? Pathetic, blah, blah. And I'm sat there and I'm, and I'm absolutely raging. I am raging. I'm going out second half, don't want to talk to anyone. Not interested in anyone's got a bit like a, bit like a big kid, got the ump. Yeah. Um, but I'm thinking, right, I'll show you. And I went out second half and was really, really good second half. Well, I think it was anyway. Yeah. Um, and, we won the ga- and we won the game. And about three days later, he walked down the corridor and went, oh, you weren't happy when I had a go at you, were you? And he started laughing. And I knew at that point that he'd done it as a bit of a psychological way of just changing. Yeah, it's good way. intervention. Isn't Great from the manager? intervention yeah. as a manager. Great intervention. Wasn't tactical. Didn't need to pick out the group. Maybe thinking, right, if I nail one player... The other players can hear that and see that. So therefore, they're probably going to think, Absolutely. I don't want to be the one getting nailed after the game. Yeah. And I went out and made a big difference to the performance. So sometimes it doesn't have to be a massive, massive thing that can shape, you know, a, 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 an intervention at halftime. I've been there before where, as a manager, I've changed formation. I've changed the whole entire way that the team plays and suddenly you're back in the game and you go and win the game. You know, we've, I remember us at Millwall playing against Luton and I think I had to make a substitution after about 25 minutes, yeah. which was probably one of the hardest substitutions I've ever had to make, which was club captain. Yeah. And then a coming at halftime, we're changed to a back five, coming at halftime, club captain sat there devastated because, you know, it's embarrassing for him and he doesn't want to be that player that gets took off. Or oh, sorry, we went from a five to a four, rather. Yeah. Um, and all of a sudden, we've changed the whole shape, the whole way we're playing, and we end up winning the game, second half, and everything's honky-dory, and it looks like a great genius move. So you can go from a small thing that changes the whole course of a game, and you can go to a massive thing where you couldn't really change much more, and you change the course of a game. And, and it's just the feel of the moment, I think, and it's just good managers you know, all the very best managers just know exactly what's required at that given moment based on so many things. How would you quantify that? You know, there's probably about a, a thousand things that goes into that mix and you've got to pick. And there's another dressing room. And there's an- also 
having to reflect on the half and thinking their manager said to their team, like, expect them to come out in the second half. They're going to have got a rocket. You got to be ready for the opposition coming at you now. And that also potentially changes the mindset of an, of an opponent. Be ready for this uh, new team that's going to come out. They're not going to play like that again. No, and I think, again, that's, that's something that you've got to be across that, haven't you? So usually what you would do is one of your analysts would stay in the stand. Your analyst will come in at halftime and he might say, it's good work from the staff when they come in at halftime, say, right, they've got two substitutes warming up, so and so and so and so. We think they're going to bring them on. They're going to make two changes. So all of a sudden, if you've got that information midway through the half, you might also be able to start to give a message to your team that gets ahead of what the opposition might do. Yeah. So you might have seen them change to a or change formation in the previous couple of games if they've been winning or losing or whatever that is. So let's say they're playing a four, they're one nil up, you've had a poor half, and suddenly they're about to make a substitution to change to a five to make sure they can shore it up. That might change the way you attack and the way that you approach that next half. You might start fast and you might be able to pin them in. Now they've got a back five and you might be able to make that a little bit of a pressure first 10, 15 minutes and you know, it allows you to get on, on top of that type of decision. So again, your staff working externally really well, trying to also sense what the challenges might be. You know, you might have come into me and said, you know, so-and-so struggling. You know, he's been, it's always the performance team that ruins it, isn't it? That's what we're there uh, for. <laughs> <laughs> but you might have come yeah. in already and said, listen, you know, so-and-so's struggling. I don't think he's going to get through um, much more than five or 10 minutes. I asked the player, yeah, I'll give it a go. And you're thinking, well, I've already maybe used two subs and now I've got to think about, do I use that substitute at half time? Because now that doesn't mean one of our allowed substitutions because there's nothing worse than having two subs left and you've got to use one after five minutes of a second half. Yeah, so Disaster. So absolute disaster. So, you know, you might know the opposition manager as in you know how they react. You've played against them many, many times before and you know how they're going to react. So you have a feeling around that. But I think... I think most of it really is, I've seen managers do it as a player where they don't intervene very much. And I think when you don't intervene a lot, then there's a risk that nothing changes. And I think you also get scenarios where you maybe over intervene and you give the players too much information. So again, that's you've a balance, got to, isn't it? That's, that's a, a big one. So I think the golden, the golden sort of rule is you give the players maybe four or five minutes just to find their feet, let the sports science team come in, give them some drinks, give them some gels, give them whatever nutrition they, they want, whatever they, whatever they sort of tailor to their individual needs, which yep. is what you guys do. And then when you let them just almost breathe, then you've got to think about the timing of sometimes you go in early because you've got to give a lot of information. Sometimes you might go in, you might leave it a little bit and then go in just for the last two or three minutes. Yeah. You know, I think it depends on how much information. Do you need to show them something on a tactics board? Do you need to show them something on the TV? Because there's so many different ways to intervene, isn't there? You know, some managers, some teams show clips on a TV, which I think is really difficult. We've tried that, but I think it's difficult. If you get that clip wrong, and suddenly you're stood there as a manager trying to show something to a player that's not quite the right clip. Yeah, you're really reliant on your staff there to have like lined that up correctly and know exactly what you want to show. 
Yeah. And I think what you do is it, during the first half, you might see little, if you can preempt little moments that you think are going to be the important ones towards the, f- the end of a half, that's when you start to say, right, load me up those three clips onto the iPad. And when I've said it, I might get one of the members of staff to then show it to that player. So we under, let's say I'm talking to a midfielder and I say, right, you know, I don't want you to keep dropping too deep. You know, you're dropping on top of the back three, stay away a little bit, let them press and just wait behind that first line so that we can almost invite that press and we can try and play through it. So you might show that once I've said it, then certain player might need that to come to life on an iPad and sit and go, okay, yeah, I understand what you're saying there. Perfect. Yeah. Everyone's different. I'm not, I'm not a massive certain player learns that way. Certain player. Yes, I think that's right. But I also think different circumstances dictate different methods of showing it, you know? So, so you uh, said there about like maybe giving it a bit of time. What about the times? Is it ever right on the tip of your tongue that you're basically waiting for the players to get in and just emotionally you want to get stuck into them? Or is, is the modern player not really ever exposed to that anymore? We, we hear a lot about managers who are very, very astute in just taking their time and doing exactly what you said there. Everybody else gets their stuff sorted, sports science, medical, and all that, and then there's like almost a coaching period right at the end of the half. Surely there must be times where you feel like, I just want to get absolutely riled into this lot. Yeah, most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> there's no, that is the time. Yeah. No, but I think you, but again, that's a different intervention, isn't it? Yeah. And I think what's really interesting is you can... You can do a great tactical intervention. You can have a positive intervention where you're talking to the team and saying, listen, what we've done is great. You know, just keep doing it. Like, think about when we've done that well, that well, that well. That's what we've got to do, and we've got to do it a little bit better. So, so there's different ways of intervening, I think, or stepping in to get the desired results. Changing formation, like we spoke about, the big, the big chunky things that really make a difference if you're not playing well. You know, those little positioning of players to try and exploit space yeah, yeah. or whatever that is, whether that's defensively or offensively. But I think there's also that psychological intervention of, and I've read some great stories of managers who come in and don't say anything and walk out. And they've got the desired result, but the players are sat there going, he's, at, like, he's annoyed or he's... Or, like, wow, or whatever that is. And they've done it and they've worked it out for themselves and have had to go and be motivated in a different way to go and play. And they've won the game second half. And you think, well, the manager's done nothing, but he's done something, you know, he's purpose. He's had an effect. (laughs) Done something different to what he would normally do. So it's had an effect. And then there's the other time. I think Ronan Keating had a song, didn't he? You say it best when you say nothing at all. (laughs) Oh, Oh. just irony. more Irish lilts. More Irish songs, <laughs> yeah. Um, the CP is going to be unbelievable. <laughs> I can crime and rolling theme to the social media yeah, nowadays. Okay. So, but but again, you look. But that's true. That is a factor. And then you've got the flip side to that, where you're going to almost put on a little bit of an angry show at half time. You know, I know that sounds that that doesn't sound very genuine but what I mean by that is at that moment you're angry at the players but you're maybe gonna get even angrier just to rile the scenario up and I think you know that if you've played really poorly and you think right I've got to do something we look like we've just not got going the warm-up was excellent is the words you're looking for (laughs) but the players weren't yeah and you've come in and said the lads just the tempo of the warm-up was poor yeah you know, and I've had to get after a few in the tempo. 
So sometimes it can start from earlier. The performance then ends up being poor first half. And occasionally, you know, you've had a long journey, let's say on a Wednesday night, and it's a Saturday home game. And it, it just doesn't seem to be the right energy in the crowd. Every, every, everywhere just seems to be lacking no energy. Spark. No, no spark. No spark. And we've all been involved in those games. So you've got to give it a spark. And the way you choose to do that is you're going to get after a few of the lads. And I would say if you're going to get after a few of the lads, if you're going to be individual, try and go for the big hitters first because that's going to have a bigger effect on the group. Yeah. Sometimes you might warn those big hitters it's coming. You know, well, if, you might, if, you, yeah. if you've got a real yeah. trust in the player. So I might say to the captain, listen, I'm, co- I'm coming after you. You know, just take it on the chin. I'm coming after you. Or it might be two or three. I'm going to go with the big, the big characters in the group and I'm going to go for it. Or you might just keep it generic as a group. I think whatever you need to do to get that, you know, get that reaction from the group, the key players, the ones you know are going to drive it second half. And I think... You know, there's so many, there's so many different ways of, of, of doing it. But listen, tactically, in some ways, tactically, I think they're the easiest interventions because that is just a black and white. We're not passing the ball very well in the build-up. You know, where are the spaces? Are we moving the ball too slow between the lines or are we not going back to front quickly enough? Are we not penetrating with passes enough and everything's just in front of the opposition? You know, he's one winger not giving enough width and he's always coming inside and everything's too central. So in my opinion, as a coach and a manager, they're actually the easiest interventions because they're obvious. Yeah. You know, if you're a good manager or a good coach, you should be able to see most of those things and be able to change one or two positions or make one or two substitutions and affect that quite simply or, you know, whatever that is. I think the hardest interventions are the psychological interventions that you know, are so character-specific, are so player-specific. Yeah, you can't, at the same time, deliver 11 different team talks for each individual character and what no. they need and how they like to be communicated with. You're going to have to use your two, three, five minutes effectively, get across all the tactical information or the psychological or both or whatever, mix it up. But it's a lot easier when you're uh, winning at halftime. Surely it's just sweetness and light. Well done, lads. Back out you go. It- but then you've caught me out so many times <laughs> where I'll be expecting some way of you potentially dealing with it and then you'll have gone the other way. Yeah, because again, sometimes you have to go with... I found some of the worst performances I've ever had as a manager and a team and staff are the ones where... You've played okay. You're on a good run. You might be one nil up at half time and you think it's done. And you just say, yeah, more of the same. And you go out second half and it's just not enough. It's not enough to win the game. And suddenly the game changes and you end up maybe yeah, losing yeah, the game. Yeah. So I think, you know, when you're playing really well, if you're playing really well, they're the easy ones. If you're not playing so well, but you're winning, I think they're the ones where sometimes you might make a decision to go in and you might make a decision to go in and give them a rocket in that sense to make sure that second half they go out there and perform. Yes. You know okay. what I mean? You might go in at halftime and you're losing and playing badly and you might actually be really calm and quiet. I've done it before. Remember, remember we played Wickham and we were 1-0 down at halftime. I'm not going to mention the crystal ball or anything because you, you, you've inherited that recently. <laughs> yes, I won't go into yes. that story. Crystal ball will come out on another episode. <laughs> Dave's crystal balls. <laughs> maybe not. Maybe, maybe not. And I've gone in at halftime and I've... 
I don't know whether everyone's expected something. I've, and I've been so sure that the opposition, if we go and get the next goal, I've been so sure we win the game. The opposition have maybe not been on a very good run. Maybe they concede a lot of goals late on. Maybe they've not been very good at home when they've gone ahead or whatever. That, or maybe they haven't won for so long, you know they're going to get nervous as the longer that lead's held or whatever. And I've gone and took a massive gamble, a massive gamble. I remember that game distinctly where I went in and I said, go and score the next goal and we win 2-1. Simple. And I don't think I've said an awful lot more than that. I might have given a few tactical pointers and I'll have pinned my hopes on that happening. We score the next goal. So of course now the players, what are the players now thinking? The players in their head are thinking, right. Even though it's an obvious thing to say in some ways, even though it's an easy thing to, to guess, the gamble I took was I thought the likelihood that it would happen. And then you're thinking about how powerful that's going to be for the next two weeks, three weeks, yeah. four weeks, five weeks. Well, there was another great example of that when we went to Swansea and you, I think we were 2-0 down at half time and you distinctly said, we will draw this game or we will win this game. Right. And it also, also culminates in one of the great offloadings of the bench when in the fourth minute of injury time, we equalized to, to go 2-2. Two, two. And again, it was just knowing that essentially, even though we hadn't played particularly well and we had seen probably about 4% of the ball, that the players knew to stick in the game, that, you know, to keep going, eventually our chances would come. And if we were able to take them or create them, that we would have an opportunity. And again, that was, again, really insightful in terms of just projecting what could happen and that's all the players needed to believe in. And then when it comes true, you know, whatever said at halftime, if it, if it comes true and comes to pass, it, it looks genius. It's crystal ball moment. Yeah, but again, it's another great point you make, but it's, but it's, you pro you're almost trying to project something that, that, if, that if it starts, it gives the players belief. Yeah. It's something that gives the players belief. So I think they're the ones where you're losing... You don't just need a way of getting back in the game. You need to know that if something else happens, i.e. you go 2-0 down, they still have the belief and they st still keep doing the things that they're trying to do. Because we've, we've all seen it where you can say what you want at half time. You can have a great master plan. You can see the next goal and your team almost gives in. You know, it looks like the team gives in yeah, a little yeah. bit. There's nothing worse, is there? Because sometimes if you, even if you can get the team fighting till the end and it ends up 2-1 or 2-2 or whatever it is, that has a massive effect on the next game and the next game and the next game. So, so I think you're trying to create a storyline all the time, aren't you, as a manager? And, that's hard, and that half-time interval is, is the easiest way of doing it. It's probably different now, isn't it? Because back when we first started in the game, you know, I've seen, I've seen players fighting at half-time. I've seen manager <laughs> and player fighting at half-time. I've seen manager and staff fighting at half time. Okay. <laughs> but do you know what I mean? Save so, this save Not this necessarily content. physical fights, yeah, yeah, but you know, yeah. different types of, yeah. of debates and arguments. And sometimes that can have a psychological effect on the group. It's just something that lifts the malaise or whatever it is. And maybe some of those were staged. But I think half time is it's not just half time. It's not just 15 minutes to have a bit of a breather. It's not just to have old fashioned slice of orange. It's to psychologically and tactically affect the outcome of the second half and, and maybe the season also. And then the bell rings and then you just hope that for the <laughs> next 45 or 50 minutes, they actually do what they're told and don't just go off script. 
Yeah, how many times has that actually worked? All these uh, ideas are great, but how many times have it actually worked in practice? Yeah, five minutes in the second half, we're looking at each other like, what are they doing? <laughs> anyway, half time. So there we have it. Another episode of Breaking Lines is in the can. We hope you enjoyed it. Halftime is such a tricky period for a head coach. Do you make tactical changes? Substitutions even? Do you need to change the mindset of the players? Maintain the status quo may work, but you have to also be prepared that the other coach may also make changes. In essence, it's often the strategy set out in the five minutes before the players leave that will affect the game. That is, if the players actually follow the instructions. Join us next time on Breaking Lines.